You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this morning, for this opportunity to dive into your word and to allow you to not only just speak words over us, Lord, but to allow your word to, to make its way into our hearts. And so, Lord, I do, I pray for our minds to be absent of distractions and that our hearts would be open and receptive. And, Lord, that we would be applying these things to our hearts. Lord, we wouldn't leave it in the ancient world, but, Lord, that we would bring these truths and these promises and hopes and realities into 2022. Lord, that we would see that there's a need for your word today in our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplaces, in the way that we interact with neighbors and friends and just everyone around us, Lord, those that are serving us in restaurants and hospitals and schools and all the different ways, Lord, I pray that you would make us a people that are marked by your spirit, a people that are marked by love. And Lord, just as my wife shared about the foster care system, Lord, we do, we want to pray for that, Lord, just faithfully, Lord, that you would bring people in to serve that need. Um, And so, Lord, we do, we just ask for you to to send workers into the field and that there would be people willing to open their homes and to mentor and to love these kids. And so we just lift these kids up to you. We lift up the current foster families and we pray that you would continue to add laborers in in that area, Lord. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. The words will be on the screen as I read it as well. Uh, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning... By means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you in His Spirit, give you in His Spirit, and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard? So also, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 7, Understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no, one who rely, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree. He redeemed us in order 
that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So then, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Verse 15, brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant or a contract that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promise the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say into the seeds, meaning many people, but into your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean in, is this. The law introduced 430 years ago does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgression until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through the angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Verse 21, is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if the law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. The word of the Lord. So Paul, talking earlier in the book of Galatians, he's talking about the gospel's authenticity. He's talking about his authenticity. He's saying, you can trust me. You can lean in to these things. You can be aware of these things. He takes time encouraging us not just to hear the gospel, but to allow the gospel to have its work in our lives. To not allow others to come in and to, and to rob us of the freedoms that the gospel brings us. Because that was what the Galatians were experiencing at this point. In this chapter, it's very interesting. You know, people love, pastors love talking about the book of Galatians and teaching through the book of Galatians because the first three really focuses on this idea of just really diving deep into what is the gospel and, and how it's really rooted in. And then the last three chapters, a lot of times people focus on this idea of, well, because of the gospel now, this is how you live. Here's the fruit of the gospel in our lives. And we're going to talk about those things. But this chapter is really interesting, and this section is really interesting because it's the hinge between those things. It's where it begins to start to shift. And Paul goes from strictly talking about their theology of what you believe to how does it shape your life and affect you. And so the question I have for us this morning and the title of what I, when I was figuring out how I was going to walk through this section is, what is forming you? Paul is asking us this question, what is forming you? Because Paul opens this chapter with this phrase where he says, you foolish Galatians. But like we read that and we're kind of like, oh, like foolish, like you're kind of being silly, you know. And but there's a very strong undercurrent going on here because 
they had moved from trying to grow instead of leaning into the leading of the Holy Spirit, they were focused on outward actions. If I pray more, if I read more, if I do more, then I'm going to grow into the follower of Jesus that Jesus wants me to be. And some of that's true, and that's why these things are difficult and challenging and why we struggle today the same way that they struggled back then. But Paul is challenging it. He's saying, hey, this isn't, you're, you're off on some of these things. And what Paul's really after is he's really trying to say, this doesn't make sense. And that's what Paul's really getting at. And so J.B. Phillips is this old Bible translator, and I, I just love the way that he translated the, the beginning of this chapter. So I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can read it with me. But the way that he translated it, he says, Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia who saw Jesus Christ crucified so plainly, who has been casting a spell over you. I will ask you one simple question. Did you receive the Spirit of God by trying to keep the law or by believing the message of the gospel? Surely you can't be so idiotic as to think that a man begins his spiritual life in the Spirit and then completes it by reverting to outward observances. So the language here is very strong. What Paul is writing, and you've got to imagine, like, they would meet in probably sizes like this in Galatia in different homes, and they would distribute the letter, and they would sit there and read it. And so they would be like, all right, we've got this letter from Paul. And they'd read through it, and they'd be like, you fools, what are you doing? And that's, that's what Paul's after. Because he's challenging them. He's questioning them. He's asking them, what's forming you? What's making you lean in and change? Are you trying to form yourself by the ways of the flesh and the natural world? Or are you trying to be formed by the Spirit? How were you formed in the beginning? Well, it's obvious what he's saying, by the Spirit. So here's the thing, though, that I want us to ask ourselves this morning. We are all, and, and realize, we are all being formed. And we all choose to be formed by something. And you're like, no, I just kind of live life. And sometimes it's intentionally, sometimes it's unintentional. But we are all being formed or shaped by something. You know, and the things that we look at that can form us, it can be a desire we have for our lives. Whether it's an experience or it's a title or it's some other type of achievement. And if you think about it, we choose how we are formed in our lives because all of us are being formed all the time. And all of us have made a choice usually on what we are wanting to be formed in. And if it's intentional, usually it's the type of person we want to be, whether that's a title or a position, or an achievement that we are actively pursuing. The thing about this is, is we, these things will all come up short in the long run. They're not worth us surrounding our entire lives around. Because if your goal is to be an athlete, one day your body is going to fail. Regardless of all the training and all the supplements and the the great eating and all these things. You may die a little bit later than everybody else because you're incredibly healthy and you've long, you know, made your life longer. But your body is going to fail. If it's academics, whether that's a faith-based thing even, or psychology or any other field, one day your mind is going to fail. 
Because we are followers of Jesus does not mean that the diseases of our mind will fail and as we get old. If it's a relationship, that person will leave you at some point, whether it's through death or it's you know, just simply a disappointment. And they will fail you in that way as well. If it's a career, one day your job's going to end. And that's a crazy thought, that one day you won't work anymore. I really look forward to that day. <laughs> you got a lot of you are like, well, you got a long time to go. Uh, but then there's things that unintentionally form us that we don't think about. It's Instagram. It's Netflix. It's talk radio. It's CNN or Fox News. It's articles, books, podcasts. It's just the current culture that we live in. These things do, they shape us by having information poured constantly into our minds and into our hearts. And what I want to tell you this morning is none of these things are going to form you into the follower of Jesus that you're meant to be. And I, standing up here as your pastor, my goal is not to make you marathon runners or to make you... Well, I hope, I hope you become the best parents, but I, that's not really my ultimate goal. Or to make you theology professors or different things like that. My goal in my heart and what is, pushes me to pastor our sweet and small community is the fact that I want to create and help people to walk with Jesus in a true and authentic and meaningful way and to grow into being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing the things that Jesus did. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, well, none of this sounds great. You're telling me my dreams are pointless, and everything's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, my mind's going to go away, my body's falling apart, this sounds awesome. Welcome to Boise Community Church, I'm here every week to encourage you and make you feel really good about yourself. Um, but in all reality, I have good news for us this morning. Gospel news for us. Because what we're talking about, this idea of what's forming you. As a pastor, I carry that role of a spiritual director and, and a spiritual coach, if you want to you know, put it in more modern language. And my hope for all of us in this room is that we would say, that say we are followers of Jesus, is that we would be being formed into the image of Jesus himself. And so I think as most of us would probably ask, and I ask all the time, how do you do that? How do I become like Jesus? How do I become a better follower of Jesus? Or as the, in the Bible it says, how are you being formed into the image of Jesus? And so many of us have had this experience where we chose to become a follower of Jesus. And there's this excitement, and there's this joy, and there's this newness, you know, and there's this awesome aspect to it where we're growing and we're thriving. And the church in Galatia experienced this. And that's what Paul's referring to. He's like, how did it start for you? But the reality is, those of us that have walked with Jesus for probably more than a year, we know that it, it changes. There's a point where things change where it can wane, it can struggle, and we, we feel like God's silent or he's absent, or we, and we end up looking to new places and new things. 
If I listen to more Christian music, I'll feel his presence. If I read my Bible more, I'll, I'll hear his voice and feel his presence. If I know more and I listen to podcasts and read books and understand more, then I will know him. If I pray harder and longer, then I will feel his presence. And none of these things are bad. None of these, there's nothing wrong with any of these. Honestly, I would encourage you to engage in all these things. I engage in all these things. But it's our hearts, it's our minds in how we approach these things. And that's what Paul is after. Because we're formed by what our heart longs for. Is it knowledge? Is it experience? Is it a thing? Or is it the person? The Galatians made this, this mistake. Their, their mindset was, if I do these five things, God will show up more. But this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, you fools, did you follow the law? Did following the law give you the spirit? Were miracles happening because you were following the law? Were you experiencing freedom and life and joy because of obedience? The answer is no. When I came to know Jesus when I was 18 years old and I was drunk in my old church from the night before, it wasn't because I was nailing it at life and I was this super devout follower. I was there because I was curious. And it was the Spirit that called me to come close to Him. And honestly, church, I think something that Paul would challenge the church of today, this isn't in my notes, but it's something I want to, I feel that we need to hear. I think there's a lot of us that would identify as Christians or followers of Jesus, but we don't have the Spirit. And I would ask you, Pray and ask to receive the Spirit. And maybe you're like, that sounds super weird. It is a little weird. I'll be totally honest. If you're like, I don't even know how to do that. I'd love to talk with you about that. And kind of talk through and show you in Scripture where we see that. And Paul challenged the early church in that. So the Galatians had made this mistake that they felt, man, if I do these things, then I will experience God and God will be close. And so Paul was challenging them, saying, why are you moving from the place of faith and a place of receiving freely to a place of performance? And maybe, you know, we can sit here and have judgment on them and be like, yeah, those guys are dumb. Why would they do that? But the reality is we do the exact same thing. Because it's easier. It's easier to live from a place of performance. If I do the dishes, if I do the laundry, if I do these things, my wife is good in our relationship. It's much harder to know my wife and to engage with my wife. It's much harder to parent from a place of relationship than it is from a place of performance. And you and I are not different in these things. And, you know, I practice these spiritual disciplines in my life on a regular basis where it's prayer and Bible reading and fasting and Sabbath and living in community, practicing silence and solitude. But if I do these things without Jesus, we, I miss the point. 
Because these things aren't meant to be medals of honor or my spiritual merit, merit badges that I wear. They are simply to bring us to Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, as you pray, are you being brought to Jesus? Are you bringing yourself to Jesus? Or are we asking for things or complaining about things? And that's okay. Still complain and and share what's going on in your story. But are you bringing yourself to him genuinely? In your Bible reading, are you bringing yourself to Jesus? Or are you just reading a really old book? In your fasting, are you just trying to like be fit? Or are you engaging with Jesus? Because the thing about Jesus is that he is calling us not into works, not into performance, but he's calling us into a genuine and beautiful relationship that is not a burdensome one. I love that scripture where Jesus says, take my yoke. Or if you're tired and you're weary and you're heavy laden, but put on my yoke because it's easy. Eugene Peterson, the, the guy who translated the message, he wrote it this way. It's on the screens. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, but keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Church, that's what Jesus is inviting us into. And we do we want to live from a place of faith, not a place of works. And Paul uses Abraham as our example because Abraham wasn't justified because of his actions. He wasn't justified because of what he did. He was justified because of his faith. It was faith that he chose to follow God's call to leave family, to leave wealth, to leave his home. And where God's just like, hey, I want you to go west. And Abraham's probably like, all right, so like, where west? Just west. Just go. And it was faith that called him to wait patiently for the promise that God had given him, that where he said, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation. Well, I'm old. Doesn't matter. I'm God. I can do that. It was faith that led him and his son to go up the mountain with the intent to sacrifice his son. Because you know what's going, which that story is super weird, and we can all acknowledge that. Nobody today would be like, that's a really great story. In theory it is. But if it was a practicality of today, we'd be like, I don't like that story. But what the beauty of that, what's going on in that moment, is as Abraham's walking up that mountain, What's going on in that man's heart is, I don't understand this. God promised that he would make us a great nation through my children. But now I'm being called to sacrifice him? I'm going to trust God because I know that he can raise him from the dead, even in that. 
What Paul says is that the law does not lead to this kind of life. Verse 11 in in chapter 3, he says, Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous shall live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the, the person who does these things will live by them. The law is performance-based. You earn what you get. And you earn what you will experience. You don't, you know, you do good and you get the reward. You do bad, you get the punishment. But faith is grace-based. You get to live and experience freely. The Israelites have been formed by the law, which in of itself isn't bad because it, it, it creates this moralism and it it does help shield from a lot of pain and wounding and bad things. But they misunderstood the purpose of the law. Because here's the thing. When we read about the law in the Old Testament, the law wasn't meant to make people righteous. It was actually for the opposite. It was to show people that they aren't righteous. Because the, the law was this crazy list of rules that you would look at and you'd be like, man, I'm not hitting the mark. And it would create this, what we should feel, despair. I can't be good enough. No one is good enough. The law shows us that we have a need to be saved. The law shows us that we need Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be a people that are formed by the Spirit. We need need Jesus for eternal salvation, but we also need him for today and tomorrow and the next day and for yesterday. To be the best father, the best husband, the best pastor, the best friend, the best wife, the best spouse, whatever your role or title may be, And really, honestly, just the best person. We need to look like Jesus. And to look like Jesus, we need to take on the character of Jesus. And if I want to take on the character of Jesus, I need to know about him. But I need to know him. It's like that old saying, Show me who your friends are and who you spend your time with and I'll show you who you'll become. It isn't through simply reading the Bible. That's part of it, but it's spending time with Him. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you if you're just able to quiet yourself. Jesus challenged the Pharisees in this over-religious culture of how they dealt with the scriptures. He says, you search the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, but these are they, or these are the very scriptures they testify about me. You can know the scriptures. You can have a moral life. There are people all around this city that, you know, they know the scriptures and they're not a follower of Jesus. There's people in this community that are good moral people but they are not a follower of Jesus. And so church, what makes us different as a people? I used to ask my youth group this all the time. What makes your works better than the LGBTQ whatever group on campus? 
And they would have a super hard time answering those questions. And their, their comments were, well, we do things with a pure heart and a pure spirit. And I was like, so you're saying that their hearts aren't pure and kind? It's like, do you really think that? And as I would ask them that, they'd be like, well, no. I think they genuinely want to do good things. And that was my point to them. I was like, so what makes you different? Because the calling of a follower of Jesus or a Christian is that we should be different. Not a weird different. Please don't be weird. <laughs> We've got plenty of that going on. Um, where we should be different, it's not about morality. It's not about not watching certain things. It's not about not doing certain things. It's about being in relationship with Jesus. What makes us different as a people is that we are committed to following Jesus and becoming more like him. Becoming more like Jesus means we will love our fellow man to a very deep degree. We will. We will weep over the children that are in places where they do not have a home. Where their home is a sterile, I said hospital room, but a hotel room. We will be grieved by those that do not live in homes for a variety of reasons, whether that is addiction, whether that is their past, whether that is their story. We will be grieved not because, and we will not look at people necessarily and just judge them. Well, you made bad choices. And I have the, and I, I think it sometimes probably annoys some of you guys that I talk about these things so much, but I think I struggle in these areas and I feel these things deeply because I do look at these kids. I look at these drug addicts and homeless people and people that have made horrible choices and I look at my own life and I know my life is not the life I deserve. I was on track to be where a lot of these people are. And so I naturally have this love and this compassion for those people. But what makes us as, a, as different as a people is that we're committed to following Jesus and becoming more like him. And so again, I want to ask you, what is forming you? What is shaping you? Is it your career? Is it a pursuit for money? Is it a title? It is a relationship. Is it your kid's happiness? Is it your spouse's happiness? None of these things, and I have to say this, none of these things are bad in of themselves. But they are not the end. If we are followers of Jesus, then they are not supposed to be what we base all of our lives around. As, follow, like, as a follower of Jesus, my job is not to end foster care, or to end the homeless, or to end any of these things. But my job is to love my fellow man and to introduce them to Jesus and to, and to be a relief in some way. As followers of Jesus, we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus and we want to do the things that he did. And people are formed by their relationships. 
And so I want us to call all to look at our relationship with Jesus this morning. How is it? Think of this like you're going to the doctor and they're asking you all those really fun questions. Do you smoke? When did you? When was the last time you smoked? Do you drink? Are you running? Are you exercising? Are you doing these things? And they're just asking things to check in on your health, getting a checkup. I want to call all of us into relationship with Jesus. I'm formed by my relationships. You are formed by your relationships. And so being called into this relationship with Jesus, it can look like a variety of things. Some of you could be spent, some of you need to spend time connecting through prayer because prayer is just it's challenging. Some of you need to spend time connecting through reading his word and seeing who he is and allowing him to show you who he is. Some of you need to learn to sit in silence and quiet the chaos of our own minds. And I am right there with you. My mind I would classify as anxious and out of control most of the times, which is why I practice that. Some of you need to ask him to come into your heart and to, to speak life into you. And none of these things are tasks or boxes to be checked or a goal to be achieved. And this, I'm closing right now. But if we think about this, if we apply our relationship with Jesus to any other relationship in the world that we are engaged with, a lot of times it's a very shallow relationship. I'm asking for what I want. I'm kind of afraid to really figure out what you really want because I'm a little bit scared that you're going to ask me to do something crazy. You know, those are real fears that I know a lot of Christians struggle with. And this idea of our relationship with Jesus being goal-oriented or being performance-driven or having these things can be very subtle. And so I've been married to my wife for 11 years now. And I didn't marry Kylie because I simply wanted to be married. You know, and I was like, oh, she's willing to have me. And honestly, the fact that she was willing to have me is pretty amazing. But um, that's besides the point. But I married her because I wanted and I still want to do life with her. I want to watch shows with her and laugh with her. I want to go on dates with her. I want to raise kids with her. I want to chase after dreams together. Not just my dreams, but her dreams too. I want to watch her smile and watch her nostrils flare when she's laughing really hard. Now you're all going to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to see her smile when I stumble over my words. Or hear her words of wisdom when I'm talking about when I'm struggling. Because marriage isn't a goal to reach or achieve. And if you're in this church and you call this church home, I want you to hear my views on marriage very clearly. You're not after a good marriage. You're after a marriage that's healthy. And the thing about healthy is, it's not like this bar. It's practices that you live into. Because marriage isn't a goal to reach or achieve. It is a relationship that's to be experienced and lived in.
And so what Paul's encouraging the Galatians and what I'm encouraging you in this morning is don't make a to-do list for your relationship with God. Don't make it just this goal list. But instead, make it relationship-based. Make your relationship with Jesus a relationship to be experienced because think about what if we approach Jesus with this same heart when you first came to Jesus what was your intent I doubt it was for knowledge and for information I doubt it was for advice on how to live a good and moral life I would bet a very high amount of you you wanted to know Jesus personally and experience him and here's the thing he wants to know you he wants you to experience him. That's the entire reason he went to the cross. Why he's risen again on the third day. That's why he's left us the Holy Spirit to be within us. Because the law will always lead you to legalism. But the spirit will always lead you to life. And so in closing, I want to read this to you again. From Matthew 11. And hear this. Hear, hear this. This is the Son of God speaking directly to you. As his beloved. As his cherished one. Like, I love my wife a lot. Jesus loves you guys way more than that. And hear his words this morning. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That sounds really nice. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So this morning, church, are you tired? Are you worn out? Spend time with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Read the gospel of Mark or Luke or John and simply see who Jesus is. I've read the Bible a lot of times and the things that I a lot of times will bring myself to is I'll just go back to the Gospels and I'll say Jesus just show me who you are remind me who you are listen for his voice his tone, his heart look at how he is speaking to people and how he is speaking know him from this personal place and see this as a letter because that's what this is, it's a letter not just a textbook or a bunch of rules for us and how we live and allow it to bring you to Jesus and to see the beautiful Savior that he is this morning. Father, we do, we just lift up our, ourselves to you this morning. And Lord, wherever we're at in this, what I've been talking about, Lord, if we're struggling in our pursuit of you and we're struggling in our relationship with you, Lord, that's okay. And I know that you don't look at us with frustration and judgment in those things. But Lord, may we be a people that are allowing you to touch and move and work in our hearts and lives this morning. 
Help us to answer that question honestly. What is shaping us? What are we pursuing and following after? And if it's not you, Lord, may we repent and turn to you. May we get rid of the things that are idols in our lives. To truly see you and hear you and rest with you. And so, Lord, we just give ourselves to you this morning as your people. And we ask that you would continue to call us into deeper relationship with you and one another. And so, God, just thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of your people. I'm so grateful for each person here and just each story represented in this room. And uh, I just pray that you would just continue to, to bless and move and work. In Jesus' name, amen.